This is Included, the podcast. Conversations toward a greater understanding of the inclusive love of Jesus. Unpacking the mystery and wonder of the Word of God for those seeking an affirming, equitable Salvation Army for others. Thanks for joining. We invite you to take a posture of listening and exploring as we seek together the good news for the whosoever. everybody welcome to included the podcast it's great to have you with us if it's the first time it's great to have you back if it's your second or third time that's even better my name is chris halliday i'm a salvation army officer in melbourne in australia which is also known as nam a place that for tens of thousands of years has been the home of the warrangiri woiwurrung people of the kulin nation and i pay my respects to the elders of the traditional lands on which i stand uh, and and pay my respects for the elders of the past and of the present and keep in mind the idea of reconciliation with indigenous peoples across the globe as we have these conversations around reconciliation for a different group and about inclusion and equity for all we've got an incredible episode today i'm joined by two fine salvationists and friends members of the included team we've got anna rebecca solivag in norway and all the way over in America, uh, someone whose voice you'll become very familiar with, who will be hosting a few episodes of this podcast, John Phil Winter. Hey, John Phil. Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Thank you. Good. You're just settling in to a new place. I am. I just moved in two, three days ago, so still getting uh, my life out of boxes and set up, but it's all going well. So. Uh... I'm enjoying it, excited about opportunities and new things. Awesome. And I've I've kicked us off and sort of taken over a little bit and said a bit about myself. Who are you, John Phil, for those people who haven't had the great pleasure of meeting you? Who am I? Well, how long do we have? (laughs) No, I'm um, originally, I'm British. I I grew up in the East End of London, Um, grew up outside of the church, Uh, became a Christian when I was 18 met the Salvation Army uh, a few years later, ended up moving to the States, became a soldier, then became an officer. And so I've been an officer for 16 years, um, serving in the United States. Majoritively, I did one year back in London um, and just sort of um, bounced around from appointment to appointment as we do as officers, um, enjoyed the opportunity to serve in different communities, meeting a vast array of different people, serving and meeting different needs, um, just as as we know and understand the Salvation Army work and ministry to be. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you joining us uh, for this. It's great to have you part of the Included team. It's great to be able to hear your voice for a few episodes along the way. Yeah, it's good. I love that we're doing this. This is so important to so many people. It's important to me, but I know it's important to other people as well that we um, we have voices of encouragement, um, that we get to, to listen to this topic being discussed in a way that is uplifting um, rather than sort of um, critical or um, condemning, which so often becomes the, the tone of this conversation. Absolutely. And I think we've got what I would like to think is a, quite a good episode today and a pretty good topic. Very excited about that. We've got um, a theology episode today, so we're going to get deep into it. We're going to um, hopefully learn some stuff. You know, a lot of the time the, the conversation that we have around this area is um, 
guided very much by our feelings and our personal experiences, which are very valid and very important. But we also understand that they they rest upon some sort of foundation. You know, they come from a sort of place that we want to take those feelings and and, and those experiences and, and, and see how they're formed in our relationship to God. And so we're very excited today with our special guest. Um, and I know already I'm going to mess up this last name again. I, I've been practicing in my head and I've already forgotten how to say it, but it's Rebecca Solovac. Is that correct? Yes. Is that close enough? Yes. Thank it's you so much. <laughs> All the way from Norway. So thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. And um, maybe you'd like to share a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what it is you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. It's uh, nice to be here. Um, so I'm a salvationist uh, from Norway. I live on the west coast of Norway. Um, I'm a member of the, the Corps in Stavanger. Uh, I grew up in the Salvation Army, uh, and uh, I have been part of part of this church my whole life. Uh, and I'm uh, trained as a theologian, and I teach uh, New Testament studies as prof- professor uh, at Vid Specialized University, which is uh, located here in um, Stavanger. So that's me. That's exciting. So we're going to get some good stuff, I'm sure. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick off. Um, let's. Let's. Uh, I want to ask the first question. This actually was a question that somebody had submitted to our included page. So it's a great way to start off. And the question is: How does culture influence theology in different parts of the world, including Norway? in this area of inclusion? And maybe also if you could talk a little bit about the difference um, between Bible and culture. Mm. Well, um, I think that it is, uh, it's a hard line to draw, but I think also it's, it is an important question to talk about because we so easily come, you know, come with the Bible and say, say you know, the, it says in the Bible or, uh, or whatever. Um, but uh, you can't read the Bible without interpreting. Uh, you can't read the Bible without having it in a translation, most likely, and that's an interpretation right there. And you can't read and read the Bible without having some kind of foreknowledge, uh, which you have been shaped by through your life, right? Um, so uh, so you, you, those clues that help you read the Bible and that's all that all comes uh, from culture, from society, from your life. And that's nothing new, right? That, that has always been the case. And that's why I also think, you know, in a good way, we are revealing more and more about, you know, what the true meanings of the Bible are or what the true meanings of the Bible are for us. And because society is changing and that's the power of, you know, God's word that it actually has something new to speak into a new situation in a way. So it's extremely challenging, but to me, it's also extremely meaningful to have that perspective, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So you picked up on something interesting there about culture changing and interpretation, something we often hear um, when we have discussions like this, we hear from people who maybe are a little bit more conservative in their viewpoint, is that um, culture changes, but God doesn't change. And mm. the word of God stands and never changes. It sounds like what you're saying is actually, it maybe isn't the word of God that's changing, but it's our understanding of it in light of our culture. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's um, that's how I how I think about it. Uh, that I think that every generation needs to try and understand uh, the uh, you know uh, the word of God anew, uh, because you know our society has changed, and that also means that you know what God wants uh, for the world. That there's there's a new message that we need to unpack for every new uh, generation. But it doesn't mean that God isn't the same, right? It doesn't mean that uh, uh, Jesus' uh, uh, death uh, and victory isn't the same, because we can still believe that. Um, but uh, but the entire history of Christianity is full of changes. So there's nothing new about that. Uh, it, it isn't, you, you could get the impression, I think, from uh, some people uh, who, who, who draw that kind of argument that you referred to, Chris, that you know there was this unchanging word of God for two thousand years, and then suddenly someone comes and they want to change it. But that's not the case. And we who are in the Salvation Army should, you know, be very clear about that. You know, we had revolutionary ideas <laughs> when we first started uh, this church, and said, uh, "Yeah, we might say that the God of the Word of God is unchanging, but hey, we still think that you know we have misread it. Women are you know free to preach God's word." We just have misunderstood this for 1,800 years. Uh, And I think that some of the same things we can say today when it comes to homosexuality or same-sex relationships, that maybe there's something about God's word that we haven't grasped yet that we still need to unpack the meaning of in our context. There we believe we haven't quite understood it all. Uh, Mm. And there is more for us to explore. So... With that in mind, why do you think it is then that the Bible is still used as such a weapon for people who are gender or sexuality diverse or or, or in in the area of same-sex relationships? Hmm. Well, I think it's interesting that you you use that kind of terminology, that it's used as as a weapon um, because it says something about the experience of hurt that some people uh, feel um, that. Um, maybe was unintentioned uh, from the people who wielded that weapon in a way, and and I think it's it's terrible <laughs> that the uh, that the Bible should be used uh, as a weapon to to hurt people, um, and and so on on one side I can understand people who have a very strong conviction about what the Bible says and how I should live according to it, um, uh, but but I still think it's very important that we realize that ways ways that we use the bible can be uh, very hurtful so uh, so 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 opening up that conversation of how the bible can be a hurtful weapon and how very very sad that fact is i think yeah is important yeah, it's interesting you you talk about or just said there about the unintentional um, damage and hurt and pain that that happens. And I, I think so often in the discussion of human sexuality, those of us who are LGBTQIA plus become collateral damage. Like there may be mm. one or two in the congregation. So it's OK if we lose them. 
because we want to keep mm. the others that we have. The irony mm. is we have a whole parable about Jesus going after the one and, you know, yeah. the, the 99 sheep. So I think sometimes we get that that backwards. And, you know, we want to have church as a place that, that is safe and we want to create that safe yes. space for all people, however they identify um, with sexuality and gender. And oftentimes when we talk about that, people will complain that we're moving away from the Bible, moving away from its teachings. How do you respond to that? Mm. Well, uh, for me, that's very, very important to say that I am not moving away from the Bible. Uh, I try to live my life as a Christian according to the Bible and according to God's calling to me as a salvationist and as a soldier. Um, but I read it differently from some of my fellow salvationists in, in my core. Um, but I cannot be, you know, that's that I, I'm not going to accept uh, that, um, that accusation because the word of God is as important to me as, as it is, uh, to them. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so that's also a part of, you know, the conversation that I think is, is problematic where we grab these, um, you know, we, we take these positions where someone is trying to frame my position as outside Christianity or outside the church. But that is, that's just, that's, that's just not right um, because the Bible is important to me and I sit down prayerfully and read the Bible but I come to different conclusions. It's interesting you say that because often when uh, we we have these discussions and, and I mean, I used the word weapon before, sometimes people use the term clobber passages, you know, passages that mm. we will clobber gay people with. Um, there's a whole list of them, of course. There are seven or eight really popular ones, particularly in the New Testament. We've got some of the writings of, of Paul. Have these been misunderstood? Uh, are, are there are there a range of passages passages you think that have been misunderstood that have been used in this sort of clobbering way or used uh, to to keep out people who are gender or sexuality diverse? Um, yes, I absolutely think so. And 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 this is actually a good example of um, uh, of the way a culture plays in uh, because you asked about that earlier and. And, you know, this list of clobber passages or this list of um, passages that people refer to as um, uh, that are supposedly against homosexuality in the Bible, they actually vary from place to place. So mm. I think that, for example, in maybe in the U.S. context, references to the Old Testament are more common than in my context in uh, in Scandinavia or Northern Europe. So that uh, within the the conversation of uh, you know a Christ, not only Salvation Army but you know general Christian context in Norway, people very seldom bring these uh, Old Testament passages uh, into the conversation. They are very very much concerned with Paul, with the New Testament passages and what Paul has said, um, and and that may have have something to do with the Lutheran influence uh, in our uh, in my context. Uh, where um, kind of, you know, Paul's message has became very important in, uh, historically. Um, so so uh, in, in my context, it's particularly these three references where, um, uh, where Paul refers to something that may be understood as 
in some kind of uh, same sex acts. And I, uh, I certainly think that they have been misread and misunderstood and also mistranslated um, in, uh, in many ways, where some references uh, have been to sodomites, uh, where, you know, that has been some kind of understanding maybe in the 18th and 19th century about uh, same-sex acts. And then it became translated with homosexuality when that became a cultural thing, right? A, a, a term that doesn't exist anywhere in the Bible in, in uh, its original Greek. And now I think we're also seeing new uh, translations uh, coming out. We're more moving away from that because some of these terms that come up in these passages are actually much more vague. So we don't, we can't really know exactly what Paul was talking about when he was referring to these issues that he condemns. And actually there's a new translation of the Bible in Norwegian that's coming out later this year. Uh, and I have heard rumors that they're moving away from kind of these homosexuality terms to making them more open to refer to softness or passivity or, or things that are closer to the Greek terms that we actually meet in those texts. Yeah, I think um, translation and culture is so, so important. Um, as I understand it, and I'm no expert on this, but some earlier German translations where in American translations, they put the word homosexual. Um, in the German, um, it was more to do with children um, yeah. and some sort of pedestry and stuff. So it, those are yeah. two completely different things based upon different um, cultural and language um, translations and understandings. And mm -hmm. I think if we understood perhaps a little bit more about how other countries and different languages translate scripture, we might realize the, the sort of the, the limitations that any one language has over exactly. really clarifying everything that's in there. Um, but apart from these, these translations and these, um, these scriptures that are maybe uh, misunderstood or, or we've been misinformed, where else do you find hope in the Bible for those who are sexually and gender diverse? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I uh, I find I find hope in Jesus. Amen. Uh, I think that uh, the way that Jesus meets all kinds of people, the way that um, Jesus uh, is completely focused on uh, the marginalized uh, and on inclusion, on reinstating into society those who were, uh, you know, somehow excluded from society, whether that it was because they had, you know, leprosy or were thought of as demon possessed or were uh, just dirt poor or were, um, you know, uh, uh, women, you know, with, uh, with the health problems that, you know, uh, excluded them. All of these um, meetings that Jesus have with people and the way that he sees them, that gives me mis gives me hope. And I think that fundamentally, that that attitude that Jesus has there is uh, is an um, an image of God's love to all of humanity. So uh, the knowledge, uh, you know, from Genesis onwards that God has created us uh, out of love and that all of uh, his creation he, he or she loves, uh, I think that that really gives me hope. And I think that's the core of the message in the Bible, not these misunderstood passages from Paul. 
Can I ask, Rebecca, is there uh, an area of particular interest or passion for you as you as you have wrestled through this over the years and if you have as you have these conversations uh, you, you you immersed in this stuff you teach it you live it uh, is there a, a common theme or or maybe even a couple of, of points that have been raised for you over the years that you you become quite passionate about and and you know feel important for others to hear as we wrestle through this mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think one of uh, one of my my passions uh, is this issue that we talked about before that you know nothing has changed because to me it's it's so obvious that that we we belong to a Christian mu- movement that really fought through uh, radical change uh, and for me it's just so absurd to be part of that uh, that movement that preached uh, you know a, a very revolutionary kind of inclusion uh, when when uh, Catherine Booth said you know hey I think we misunderstood this thing about you know women preaching um I think uh, I think that to me that that is so fundamental for what it means to be the Salvation Army um that that we are a church for the marginalized and uh, and uh, and we can pattern our uh, inclu- ideas of inclusion on the way that uh, Catherine Booth argued for the inclusion of women preachers fantastic now you've obviously got your head around this uh, as you, it's very clear very wise and you've thought very deeply about these and, and as I say immersed yourself but for your average Christian for John Phil and I uh, for people with, without your education who are wanting to be, perhaps they're wanting to be a better ally as a, a heterosexual person, perhaps they're a, a, a queer person who's trying to understand the, the Bible and what God means for them, particularly if they've had it used in a way that may feel like a weapon. Uh, if you're someone who's maybe even just wrestling, even a little bit open to thinking mm-hmm. maybe this isn't as I've been taught for my entire life, we don't all have the ability to do theological studies or, or degrees or become professors. Where do you suggest we start? Well, uh, I don't think that everyone should become a professor. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, because you know it it uh, it, it takes all and uh, and and to me, I think. Starting a conversation is important. Being open uh, to to other people's experiences and ideas, I think that's a really important uh, point, especially for those who want to be be allies. There's uh, within the, the disability community, there's a statement that goes, um, "Nothing about us without us." Uh, which which generally is, you know, if you want to have a conversation about disability. A person with a you know a disability should be included in that conversation. Uh, if you want to have you know a, a conversation about um, same-sex relationships, t- talk to someone who has that experience. Ask you know the questions that you're wondering about. Uh, it, try to to engage in someone else's um, else's uh, standpoint and read the Bible together. Uh, with that uh, open attitude of let's see if there's something we have misunderstood. How is the Holy Spirit uh, moving us uh, towards uh, understanding? Yeah, I think um, you know we we all have 
I say we all have access to a Bible. Most people, I think, do. It's very, very easy to grab a hold of. And, and of course, this is our sacred text. This is what we lean into. But I wonder if you think that perhaps do we, when we're reading Scripture, we are Christians, we are followers of Jesus. But I wonder, do we sometimes become followers of Paul and focus mm. on a heavy weight on what Paul said over and above what Jesus says? What do you think on mm. that? Yeah. Yeah, I um, uh, I think you, you have a point there, and, and and in a way it's easy because uh, Paul has this, you know, voiceless, and you know, it, it's easy to 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 kind of understand that as as rules, whereas Jesus's message is more how he lived his life, how he engaged with people, how he died. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe more difficult uh, to interpret, but Jesus is the center uh, of Christianity, not Paul. Uh, He was one of the first interpreters and he had to try and understand Jesus's message into his time, into his context. Uh, And then we have to do the same uh, as Paul did. And we are in an entirely different context um, where uh, same-sex relationships look completely different from what they did in Paul's time. Yeah, I mean, even when you look at the different letters that Paul wrote, you can see he's considering the context of those people in the place, you know, not that there's a contradiction, but there's certainly a different approach given to to each people group. And I think there's, uh, it's amazing how much um, attention we give to Paul, and yet we still sometimes miss even that, which I think is Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just the fact that they are letters. They were written mm-hmm. to people, and and he he's even doing Q and A in these letters. Like they asked him questions, what what should we do? <laughs> and he answers right. them. Uh, and 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 that's sometimes I think it's quite misunderstood that that we here in Norway or you know uh, Australia or wherever in 2022 should still do those things because he wasn't answering our letter; he was answering someone else's. Yeah, and he wasn't establishing a systematic theology yeah, for all people at all That's my point, exactly. Yeah, that's very, very important, so, I think. Can I ask a follow-up to that? Because there'll be some people now whose heads may start exploding and thinking, oh, my <laughs> goodness, but if he wasn't writing to us, and then, and then what does it mean? So so then, Rebecca, when we approach uh, content like Paul's letters, starting to become aware that these were letters written to other people in another time and sometimes there are discrepancies between the letters Mm -hmm. as as well Mm -hmm. we see that so how do we find the essence then how do we find the truth how do we find what applies to us in in the scriptures and particularly in paul's letters yeah well, uh, so maybe that's where the professor comes in. <laughs> Sometimes we can, you know, uh, help out. Uh, I think it's important to to have some knowledge of the context, to know something about the historical context. Um, I think it's important to to have some understanding of what kind of literature this is. What what is the difference between a gospel that tells a narrative and between a letter that's a you know particular uh, you know piece of paper that was sent to a particular uh, a congregation and but i i really do believe in conversations that um that we we need to explore the bible together and not just have someone tell us uh what to believe um or or, or think or choose an authority but but I think, you know, to explore the, the Bible together, what does this mean for us today where we are? 
um, uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's a really meaningful way to read the Bible. Absolutely. And I mean, I think we often miss um, the spirit, you know, Jesus mm. made a, a big mm. announcement. I'm going, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to send you the comforter. Mm. You're not going to be on your own. And then we have this beautiful event at Pentecost where the mm. spirit comes. And I think sometimes we, um, as important, as sacred as the text is, but we still have to be a spirit led people. Exactly. I think so too. Mm. All right. So we've got now a list of questions. We call them the fast five. Uh, but we're only going to do four. So it's the fast four because we actually covered one of those already. Now, they're called the fast five, uh, but you are a professor. So we understand that fast may not be your normal speed. You can interpret that however it applies to your context, Rebecca. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, but but we'll just obviously be excited to to hear your responses. So, Chris, do you wanna start us off here? Yeah. Um, where do you see hope in the church today, Rebecca? Uh, I uh, I see hope in uh, God's love for His creation, and I see hope in in Jesus and how He met uh, all kinds of people. And if we try and emulate that, uh, I that's where I also see hope in the church. Awesome. Okay, what does being a good ally mean to you? Uh, so here I think that, um, you know, we all have to find out what it means to be an, an ally. And, and for me, I, I think it's actually to use my knowledge, my education and my, um, uh, you know, stance as, as a theologian and as a New Testament scholar uh, and to, to use those skills um, in, in this fight that I think is really important. If you had one message for the Salvation Army, what would it be? A church that is called to be a church for the churchless and the marginalized simply cannot discriminate against queer people. Could we, could, we, could we pause on that? Could you repeat that again? Should I yes, say it once more? Yes, please. Yeah. A church that is called to be a church for the churchless and the marginalized simply cannot discriminate against queer people. That is going to be a meme that we're going to quote that. That's going to be that's a great. I love it. I love that. That just so succinctly wraps up. Uh, I worked on that one. <laughs> that you're, I'll, I'll, I'll credit you with that. That's great. I love it. it. It says a lot. It says so much there. And that's really, really what we're about. And so talking about queer people, if you have one message for those who are gender or sexually diverse, what would it be? Thank you for showing me God's love and the diversity of her creation through your lives. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for showing us a little bit of God's love and how we can understand a little bit more of, uh, of God's love. It's been great to chat. Uh, well, thank you. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. What happens next for you? You're uh, you're in the Salvation Army, uh, and now we didn't really we talk much very briefly. You're a, you're a soldier in in Norway, so and you're a professor. So what happens next for you? You're about to hang up from us and go back about normal life. 
what does it look like? What does the next day or couple of days look like for you? Well, here in Norway, it's actually midsummer today. Ooh, uh, so, goodness. yeah, as, which we celebrate as the Feast of St. John with bonfires. Um, so we're halfway to Christmas. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> Uh, and uh, and it's uh, not going to get dark at all here. Uh, we wow. we get a little bit of uh, somewhat darkness around uh, midnight, but we're going to have a bonfire and a barbecue, and um, and then it's basically summer vacation here in Norway. And I uh, start teaching again in in August when the fall semester starts. Awesome. Well, it's been great to hang out uh, and take these times on this very. Fantastic day on, on midsummer of all days. Thanks for, for, for joining us. It's been really good. Um, thanks, John Phil, of course, for joining us and, uh, and being a part of the, the podcast and for, uh, we should say, uh, getting up really early to do this today too. It's worth it. It's worth it. Y'all are worth it. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you can check us out on the internet. We're at Facebook on Included page. And if you want to look at our website, lots of resources, uh, in content from our previous webinars and online conferences, a whole bunch of academic papers there too. If, you, if something that you've heard Rebecca talk about is of interest to you, you can find more information like this uh, in, in our research section. That's at includedpage.com. It's uh, been an absolute blast. Thank you both so much. And uh, for all of you listening, please subscribe and uh, keep listening. And we have got some great episodes coming up over the next few weeks, including Rebecca coming back in a little while after a very exciting uh, symposium that's taking place. And we're going to be hearing more Salvationist stories over the next few weeks as well. And in just a couple of episodes, a really interesting one, uh, which may, I think, John feels something we've really got to start to work through as a church is what does it mean to be a part of an international church? Mm, yes, that's a big I'd say issue, but that's a, that's a reality. That's what we are. Um, of course, we've always been a part of an international church because from the beginning, look at Pentecost, that was very international. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, subscribe, check us out. It's been great. We'll uh, catch you again on Included, the podcast. Mm-hmm.